Welcome to Think Again, a podcast by Macquarie Asset Management, providing financial advisors with a fresh perspective and innovative insights, designed to keep you and your clients a step ahead. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Denise St. Ivany. Today, Derek Hamilton, economist at Macquarie Asset Management, is joining me to share his macroeconomic perspectives on the market. Derek publishes insights throughout the year, including our quarterly Inside the Markets Guide. He's appeared on Think Again before, and we're happy to have him again. Derek, welcome back. Thank you, Denise. Happy to be back. Well, it is so hard to believe that 2023 is winding down, and I know investors are already anticipating what 2024 may bring. And the word of the year has certainly been recession. Is it coming? When is it coming? Or will it be a soft landing? So I'd love to get a recap from you on what we've seen and maybe what's changed. Yeah, thanks, Denise. So recession is still my base case. And, you know, I've been saying that recession would have started by now. I think I'm on the record as saying uh, Q2 was was my optimal time for the recession starting. That call was based on data that, if you look historically, does a very good job of predicting recessions. And uh, basically, if you take all of that uh, data and aggregate it up and look at what the average is over the many cycles that we've studied, it pointed to to somewhere around mid-year, kind of that Q2 area. Uh, that's simply an, an average of everything. If you look at at uh, the, the longer tails on some of those, some of the data even says that the recession could begin in the first half of 2024. So I, I think... Uh, you look at all of it in some, and and we're not even close to being out of the woods yet, despite the the rhetoric that we hear that uh, recession's been coming forever. I, I don't think that uh, we can just simply dismiss it, and and I think part of the reason that we have uh, seen the economy hold up better than what we would have initially thought is the continuation of government stimulus. So. Uh, we, we've talked about excess savings in the past, right? Those excess savings continue to be worked down. We believe that uh, we're getting to the point where uh, pretty much all the excess savings are going to be worked through by the end of the year. Uh, at the beginning of this year, we saw big increases in Social Security payments uh, that gave a boost to income uh, and therefore purchasing power. More recently, we've seen state and local government spending very, be very strong. Uh, basically, state and local governments have a lag in terms of when they take money in and when they spend it. Uh, they had big surpluses last year. They're now spending that money. Well, lo and behold, uh, the the revenues for state and local governments are are starting to hook lower. Uh, so we think that that is by and, and large done. Uh, all of this stuff is in the rearview mirror. Um, I, I think that fiscal tailwinds are turning into fiscal headwinds. We have uh, student loan payments that are going to be uh, restarting at any moment. Uh, so uh, to me, the things that have been holding things up uh, are really going to start to wane here over the next few months. One thing that's important to discuss is what if we're wrong and there's no recession? Uh, markets have been very excited about a soft landing. Uh, just for reference, in my opinion, a soft landing is when economic growth is slowing but not declining, right? So we're not seeing a decline in uh, GDP growth or gross domestic product of the economy and unemployment is not rising. Uh, we, you look at the unemployment rate, the unemployment rate just ticked up from 60 year lows. So we're at, at multi-decade lows on the unemployment rate. And, and one thing to, to keep in mind is that when the economy slows, 
it never just stays where it is. It either continues to slow to the point that it declines and you have a recession or it reaccelerates. And so the question that I like to pose to people is what happens to wage growth if the economy reaccelerates with unemployment at 60 or lows? My guess is wages go up. What happens to inflation if wage growth accelerates at a time when the economy in general is accelerating? I would guess that inflation pressures would reignite. So in a roundabout way, if you think about what does a soft landing mean, it means that the Fed not only won't be able to cut rates, but probably would eventually have to, to raise rates to much higher levels. And I think that's something that markets really haven't grasped yet. A lot of good points there. And you also mentioned a lot of different things that you're monitoring, different signals. Are there any other signals? You know, you mentioned several, but are there any other signals or indications that you're keeping your eyes on and what uh, investors should also be thinking about in the months ahead? Sure. So uh, you hear people saying things like, uh, the economy is still doing fine. The consumer is strong. Employment growth is still positive inflation is coming down, how could we possibly have a recession? And I think this is the wrong way to look at it. History shows the economy looks fine until it doesn't. Uh, I, I've gone back and, and done some analysis around how different economic indicators perform going into a recession. And let me give you an example. So on average, if you look at real consumer spending and employment, uh, over the course of many cycles leading into a recession, on average, both of those indicators do not decline until after the recession begins. So basically, you know, the, the conversations around a soft landing must be the base case because the economy looks okay, I think is just not a, a, a good understanding of history. Now, to your question around, are there specific indicators that I would be looking at? There are a couple that I would put at the top of the list. The first one is unemployment claims. Uh, unemployment claims are basically a measure of uh, how many people, when they lose their job, file for unemployment insurance. This is real-time data. You don't have significant revisions that change the the course or the direction of the data. Um throughout the year. And so it, it's a very timely indicator that I think is worth watching. Now, on average, unemployment claims bottom out and start to rise before a recession begins. We're seeing tentative signs that this is occurring, but not to the point where it's signaling a recession. But uh, I continue to watch this very closely. Uh, the other area I would focus on is consumer confidence. Now, we get a lot of different consumer confidence data points from different uh, organizations. The one that I prefer is from an organization called the Conference Board. Uh, consumer spending has been very strong given the government stimulus like we talked about. And uh, what is interesting about the, the Conference Board data is uh, we know that the consumer spending is basically driven by income growth, which is driven by jobs growth, right? And the, the Conference Board data actually has questions in it asking consumers what they think about the job market. And specifically, they're asking them questions like, uh, what, uh, are, what is your outlook for the job market over the next six months? Is it easier or harder to find a job now than it was a month ago? You know, things of that nature. 
And so what we're starting to see is that these job components within this conference board consumer confidence measure, these job components are starting to weaken. And so there's underlying indications that that things are deteriorating, even though maybe the headline data isn't showing it. The, the last thing I would point to is uh, looking at what's going on overseas. Obviously, we've seen a lot of weakness there. The U.S. is not going to be getting any help from overseas markets, in my opinion. In Europe, the economies are weakening rapidly. Some of them might already be in recession. Central banks there have been just as aggressive as the Fed. And uh, I think that uh, Europe is going to go through a, a really difficult time in coming quarters. In China, we've already seen broad weakness. Uh, housing in China has been weak for a couple of years. This is a policy decision that they put in place. And the property market is very important to the overall economy. And it's just weighed on economic activity. The other thing that's going on, uh, they had their COVID lockdowns. They opened up for COVID. Uh, you initially started to see a burst in spending, similar to what you saw here in the U.S. and other places, but then all of a sudden it reversed and consumer spending has been very depressed since then. And a lot of people say, why is why is that happening? Um, my best guess is that uh, it's because business confidence is very weak. Uh, the government has done a very poor job of, of creating a virtuous circle. Uh, they've actually, up until the last couple of months, They've actually put in place policies that, uh, from a regulatory standpoint, have been very detrimental to business confidence, and uh, that's resulted in a weak job market. And so hiring has been weak. Unemployment has been rising. So it's very hard for consumers to say, well, I haven't been able to shop for a while. I'm going to go spend, but I'm losing my job, right? Those things are not uh, are not uh, congruent. So... Uh, I, I think that uh, the the weakness in China is likely to continue. Uh, we'll probably see some stimulus to put a floor under the economy, but I wouldn't expect any kind of big bang. So all of that to say that that uh, the headwinds from overseas are likely to continue. Now, the U.S. economy is primarily a, a domestically driven economy. So we are talking about incremental headwinds, but I think it's worth noting. Good. Thanks for sharing those points. Uh, but now let's shift, if we could, to the equity markets. Overall, we've seen strong equity returns. And then in recent months, the um, markets have shifted the focus towards technology and the potential for long-term growth investors. I'd love to get your thoughts on equity markets and long-term valuations. So we've been in a sweet spot for equities, in my opinion. And frankly, I miss this. If If you go back and study history, which I've done, uh, in recent months, uh, particularly looking at the time period between when investors start to anticipate the end of Fed rate hikes and a few months before when the recession begins. So there's this time period where the market typically does well. And I think it's because uh, markets start to get excited that the Fed is looks like they might be done in the foreseeable future. And we're always going to price in a soft landing. This is this happens every single cycle. And so you see the market start to do well for this time period. But I, I'm increasingly concerned about the US markets for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one is on the earnings side. Corporate earnings always follow economic growth. And if we have a recession, then I would expect corporate earnings to follow. Uh, markets are usually driven 
by the direction of earnings. And so if we have a recession, earnings estimates are likely too high for this year and next year. And that's one of the fundamental issues that I have. The second one is on market valuations. Now, some people may argue that multiple expansion can offset earnings weakness, but I think that's unlikely. Valuations look very rich, in my opinion. If you look at the price to earnings ratio for the S&P 500, we're somewhere around 19 times. That seems high to me when you compare it to history, as well as high when you compare it to the level of interest rates. And I've gone back and looked at how uh, PE multiples behave during recessions. And PEs typically do not rise during a recession. In most cases, they fall. And at the very best case that I could find, they were flattish. And so thinking that we can have this scenario where earnings disappoint, but it's made up by uh, PE multiples going higher, I, I think is pretty unlikely. The other thing to keep in mind is bond yields. The bond yields increasingly are offering a competitive return. And if you look at uh, what's called the equity risk premium, uh, which is basically looking at the earnings yield of the equity market, and you compare that to 10-year bond yields, uh, aside from a blip during the global financial crisis, the equity risk premium implies that bonds are the most attractive that they've been in nearly 20 years. And so you have this environment where the equity market looks rich, uh, bonds look more attractive. I, that causes me to lean in the defensive direction. I'd also wonder if you had any comments on cash, because that also seems to be a bit of a buzzword these days. But it seems like the, the cash yields have been compelling to a lot of people. Would you have any comments to share there? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, in my mind, cash is a short-term attractive asset. And the reason I say that is, you know, we're talking about equity markets looking rich in valuation and uh, wow, I can get 5%, right? And I think part of the attractiveness too of cash is the fact that we haven't seen cash interest rates at these levels since... Uh, the early 2000s, if my memory serves me correctly. It's been a long time. So especially in an environment where you have inflation coming down, so the real return on cash is, is going higher, I can see why that looks attractive. Now, the reason I say this is a short-term uh, vehicle is, again, if we have a recession, then the Fed is going to cut rates. And so that cash interest rate is quickly going to go down. And so for now, um, it could be an area that uh, offers attractive risk-adjusted returns, but I don't think it's something that uh, is going to be the case in uh, you know, the next 12 months or something like that. That's a great point, Derek. Thanks for sharing those insights on cash. Um, I also do want to remind all the listeners that Derek does publish insights on a regular basis, uh, including a quarterly guide called inside the markets that illustrates a variety of trends in both equity and fixed income markets. And so we'll include a link to that in our show notes, or you can visit DelawareFunds.com to learn more. So I really appreciate you joining us today, and we'll look forward to having you back for another market update in the months ahead. Thank you, Denise. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Well, join us next time on Think Again as we discuss another topic for investors to consider. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for more information on topics from this episode. 
And be sure to subscribe to Think Again, wherever you get your podcasts. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation, and needs and seek advice. No representation or warrant expressed or implied is made as to the accuracy of completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Macquarie Asset Management is a full-service asset manager offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. The public investment business is a part of Macquarie Asset Management and includes investment products and advisory services distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors, LP, a registered broker slash dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment Advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of MIMBT. Macquarie Group refers to Macquarie Group Limited and its subsidiaries and affiliates worldwide. Delaware Funds by Macquarie refers to certain investment solutions that Macquarie Asset Management Public Investments distributes, offers, refers, or advises. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution for the purposes of the Banking Act 1959. The obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of the Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment, nor do they guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.